This is a teaching message from Church of the Living Water of Austin. Of this particular subject of pressing forward, pressing and moving and without any reservations, we are on our fifth teaching. So if this is your first time hearing that, you need to go back and you need to listen to others of these teachings so that you can understand. You don't want gaps in your knowledge. You want to be solidified in this word of God that he's presenting to you so that you can be prepared. Are you in Philippians chapter 3? We are pressing toward the mark. And we're using this scripture to guide us through. To guide us through through this through it through now and throughout this whole year, we we're, we're using this teaching in in the book of Philippians chapter three, beginning at verse thirteen. It reads, "Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do: forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before." I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Let us therefore as many as be perfect be thus minded. And if anything, if, and if anything ye be otherwise minded, God will reveal it even unto you. If be mature. So some things you don't understand, God's going to reveal to you. That's why I give you homework to do. That's why you have to listen. That's why, because those things, something might click to you and you don't know. God will reveal it to you. God will go further when you're at home. If you meditate and you begin to, to look upon those things that we're doing, if you're taking notes and you go back over your notes and you're looking and you examine it, God will reveal even more to you. Are you with me? We said in our previous teaching that there is value in consistency. And if we want to make progress, we must be consistent. I told you that over the last two years with the pandemic, we are now seeing who has been affected by it and who has not. Because this pandemic has affected many people in many ways. Amen? And then I told you in time past, and I tell you now, I don't want to see anyone that I'm pastoring stuck in their hearts and in their mind and stuck in a place just kind of right there and can't move forward. Always constantly revisiting the past. Always doing the same thing over and over and over again. Thinking about the same thing over and over and over again in your heads and in your hearts. Because that means that you are stuck in a place. You're stuck there. And you cannot press toward the mark when you're stuck. Are you, follow, are you following me? You cannot press toward the mark if you're stuck. Amen? And then I told you, I'll say it in every lesson. If you are a believer, 
and you're filled with God's Spirit, meaning that you trust God's Word, you believe what has been taught, and you have a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ, and you are, you know, you're, like I said, filled with the Spirit, and you're operating in the Word, you are renewing your mind, you're casting down a magic, you're doing everything that you know how to do with a circumstance or a situation in your life, but it still seems like you're having problems just getting up off the canvas. You're still having problems of just, just coping. There may, you may need outside help, and that's okay. It's okay to have outside help. Everybody say doctors are a good gift. We cannot plant in our heads that we don't need doctors. Because you do. You might need. You could have anything, imbalances in you. You can have just, just anything going on with you that you may need extra help. You might need, you need to go to your doctor, you need to tell them what's going on with you, because if you're doing everything that the Word says, there should be a difference. See, because most people think, I'm doing everything the Word says because they quote it. Quoting it don't mean you're doing it. It just means you can quote it. Are you, are you following me? But if you're doing everything that you know to do in the natural and you still, it's just, it's just still, something is just not right. Maybe you, you say, you know what, I'm doing everything. I'm eating right. I'm doing this. I'm doing, and my blood sugar is still just not right. You might need some extra help. I'm not going to nothing. I'm just going to believe God that my blood sugar is just going to just finally set out. No, you need to go and see. You need to go see a doctor. Everybody say doctors are a good gift. If it was not so, God would have told us in the Word. And I said again, Luke was a doctor. And there's nowhere in the Scripture where it says after that point he was no longer a doctor. You can know the Lord and go to the doctor. Amen. And so you can have genetics, anything that's going on, and you may need help, may need additional help. Then you need to get it. Because if not, you're going to be stuck in a place, just stuck there. Amen. And then I told you the intent of this teaching is that I just want to help you. I want to help us. I want to help us to get where God is telling us to do and what he's showing us to do. Following God's instruction. What instructions have God given you that you haven't done? I want to get you there where you can do it. What spiritual thing, what financial thing that God has spoke to your heart about and you still haven't quite done it? Amen. I want to help you grow and develop. The purpose of this teaching is that we glorify God, that we remain in His will, and that we become mature. we got to glorify God, remain in His will, and become mature. The goal of this teaching is that we reach the mark that we're pressing for. We reach the mark. You know, and the mark, and, and the mark is the will of God. And, the, and what is the will of God? It's what God has for your life in this dispensation of time and in every dispensation after the dispensation that you're in now. God's will be done in my life. You gotta put yourself there. I told you that I want to teach several things to you on how to press from your old life, and we talked of that, and we taught on that, 
how to press from your old life. Then we're now teaching on how to press after we suffered loss, death in particular. Now, again, I'll say it again so you'll understand. This is any loss, but we're talking about when we have suffered loss from a death in this particular teaching. But the loss can be in anything. The principle remains the same. Are you with me? And then we're also going to teach on how do I press when I've been disappointed? And all of us. Let me see about a show of hands. Somebody that has been disappointed before. Because I know I have. If all of us have been disappointed. And some of us have stopped with that disappointment. We've gone on with life, but we stopped with that disappointment. When I've been disappointed, God is going to help you with that. Then we said we also want to teach on how to press when we miss God. All of us have missed God at some point, but how do I keep moving? And then we want to teach how do I press when I'm in a stagnant state. I'm just there. Just, just there, stagnant. Amen. And then when we looked at how to press toward out of your old life, we said you have to wholly and fully say this life is done. And you can't linger. And you can't look back. Forever. Not forget those things that are behind. Those things that's going to keep you from pressing toward the mark. you got to stop lingering. Stop slow walking. Stop just going back. Stop looking at it. Stop. That's how you leave your old life. I'm leaving it and I'm moving forward. Are you with me? And then we went to Ecclesiastes 3. Go there. And we start dealing with how to press from loss. See, that was that that um, we, we're moving forward. We got to move forward because I got new information I want you to have. Now we have to understand we are talking about moving forward and pressing forward. We can do that. Amen. Now in Ecclesiastes chapter three, beginning at verse one, it says, "To everything there is a season." And a time to every purpose under the heaven. Under the heaven means here on earth. So he just told us that there is a season and a time for every purpose on earth. That wouldn't change that. A time to be born and a time to die. A time to plant and a time to pluck up that which is planted. A time to kill and a time to heal. A time to break down and a time to build up. A time to weep and a time to laugh. A time to mourn and a time to dance. Now, one thing about death, it is a significant part of ministry. It's a significant part of your life because it's unavoidable and inescapable. So we must know about that. And, 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 and I'm telling you, I'm going to take these things slow because I want you to get this. Because this is something that we all have in common, is death. We might have it at different times, but we all have it in common. Amen? It's not about this just this platform. It's about death is going to happen to each and every one of us. Somebody that we love will die. Somebody that we know will die. 
all of you see me now and have seen me over the years and will see me until there. But one day I will die. And you'll remember this day. Unavoidable. Inescapable. One day, some of the the person sitting next to you or whatever, they are going... Look at the person next to you. I know. We can't get over the fact that we think they're going to live forever. They won't. See, we got to settle with that first. Then you'll be able to understand and grab a hold of this. You got to settle with that first. That the person next to you will die. Oh, that's rough. No, it's truth. Don't count it as don't count it as rough or you're gonna be messed up. I want you to look at it in see this is real time. This is real time. And this is reality. Because unless you deal with the reality, you're gonna have a fantasy in your head. Don't look at how old a person is. They got time. Because let me tell you, people die from, I'm telling you, from the natal, from the, from the womb, to the, the baby care center at the hospital. They die. Everybody in here is going to die. There's no other way to put it. Well, we got time. Don't, it doesn't matter what kind of time you think you know, because nobody knows your, you don't know your time. You don't know. You don't know if this evening you're gone. You don't know that. Because, see, in our American minds, we think, I'm not sick. (laughs) Well, you don't have to be sick. Have you ever seen somebody die and they said, they were healthy. Wasn't nothing wrong with them. They just went in for a checkup and they never came out. Or they, wasn't nothing wrong with them. They were real healthy. And they died. So it's not about health. Remember, you have an enemy. And what does he come to do? Three things. Can you say it with me? Let's say it again. Steal. If you can give place to him, he can steal your life. Healthy. So don't 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 be looking at I'm young and I'm still going to be not necessarily. Amen. One of the things that we learn is that, again, it's unavoidable, inescapable. Death is simply that. And we have to understand when we suffer loss, even though it's difficult, we still must press forward. We still have to press forward. You cannot stay in mourning for the rest of your life. Are you with me? And you notice in those one through four chapters, I mean uh, verses that we just read, it is temporal. There's a time for it. It's not permanent. 
a time to die. It's not permanent. That don't mean that death is just going to be for that person over and over and over again. It's temporal. Everything there, every, all the way in Ecclesiastes, everything is temporal. It's not permanent. Amen? It's just a time. It's just a season. I gave you the illustration last week. Even in having children, let me tell you, they're not going to stay a baby forever. They're going to go into a child. They won't stay a child forever. They're going to go into a young adult. They won't stay a young adult ever. They're going to go into a, into a place where you want them out of your house. They're grown. They're, it's just a time and it's just a season. I know it feels like it's taking forever, doesn't it, Samuel and, and um, Ebony? You'd be like, oh, my God, we got two because it's like having twins. It's just a, it's just a time and a season. I had two children similar to you. I think you all had them like almost 12 months apart. I mean, I had, woo, 12 months apart. I had mine 15, 15 or 16 months apart. But it's like having twins. Especially when you have two boys, because then you have to buy two of everything. And especially when they're that young, it's like, oh, my God, what have we done? And are we ever going to get to breathe again? Are we ever going to get to do it? You will. Because it's only a time and a season. It's only a time and a season. It will move forward. It will go on. And you'll be like, whew, I remember those days. Because see, right now, with Samuel, you're saying, oh God, it was easier when he couldn't walk. Because then I could control everything. But now he's this and that. And when he was laying down, see, oh, you were trying to make him walk. Come on, because it was a time, and like, I'm tired of you, and I want you to walk. I went, oh, yeah, 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 there you go, there you go. Now you're like, Lord, will he go down and lay down and go see? Because that was just a time and just a season. And it's going to go on and on and on. That's the way life is. It's a timing and season. If you look at Ecclesiastes all the way down, timing and season. It's not forever. Everybody say it's not forever. Whatever you're going through is not forever. Amen. Everybody say unavoidable and inescapable. Now, just I want you to know that because that's important that you know throughout this teaching. Now, and the reason why a loss is so hard for us is because we were never intended to die. The sin of Adam put us in that place, and now we have to endure death. And we're going to endure it with family members, with friends, with children, with parents. Now, let, let, see, let's even get more real. Some of you, I know you don't want to hear this, but this is real time. Some of you will bury your child. Now, we know that, it's, it, you know, it's all, we, people always say, you know, uh, parents are not bur- bury their children, but you're, not, you're living in an imperfect world. Some of you are going to bury your parents. Some of you are going to bury your spouse. Well, all of you are going to marry. Some spouse is going to bury one or the other. And then after that, the children will bury you. It, it, reality. I know, you know, we used to, let's not talk about that. No, no, that's what we, we need to talk about that. Because it's a reality. Are you with me? Amen. We're, you're with me. Amen. And especially when it's an unexpected death, this thing really throws us off. 
because it's unexpected. Even though we know, this is where I'm telling you the truth and what we believe is, is a different thing. If it's an unexpected death, we're all thrown off and we're all messed up. Even though the Bible tells us tomorrow's not even promised to us. <laughs> so we act like, well, it was promised to us and we didn't get to go. Well, tomorrow is not promised to you. So, you, so it shouldn't be unexpected to you. But it is because we have another way of thinking. We believe different from what truth is. Are you with me? Amen. Oftentimes people get, ex- get stuck in their first experience of death. And then the second, the third, because gonna, it's going to continue on. Yeah, they get stuck because they haven't mourned. Amen. I also told you that lo- loss challenges our faith. That is the truth, and then there is what we believe. Two different things. There is truth, and then it's what we believe death is, or loss is. Two different things. Amen? Now, the, listen to me. The truth versus what we believe When we understand that that's two different things, we can sit down and now begin to do an introspection. What do I believe and what is truth? Because the truth is already established. So you trying to say what you believe, making it a truth, will not work. Truth is already established. So whatever you believe, if it's not jiving with truth, then now you got to come to truth side and say, you know, I believe that for the longest, but this is truth. Are you following me? Loss is something that we all don't desire. None of us desire death or loss. Nobody desires it. But it's a reality. So even though we don't desire it, it happens, then what is it imperative that we do? That when we suffer loss, we need to know how to mourn appropriately. Know how to mourn the proper way. Because there's many people that don't know how to mourn properly. There's many people that are believers. When another believer dies, they feel like, I don't shouldn't feel nothing. Because I know where they went. But the thing is, you're not mourning where they went. You're mourning the absence of them in your life. But we look like we're, well, I know I'm not, well, I, you know, I, I, I feel fine. I'm not, I'm not hurting because I know where they went. I know where they went. But, uh, but how can you not hurt or feel something about someone that you love and been in your life all of your life that's absent from your life now? How can you just be normal? Like, it, it don't mean anything to me. No, it does. If you love them, it's going to mean something to you. I'm not talking about breaking down and screaming and hollering like you don't have any hope. But it hurts. It hurts. Amen. Again, you're not mourning where they went. You're mourning their presence that's now absent in your life. Mourning, listen, is never about the person's death. Especially when they die in the Lord. Mourning is not about the person's death. Mourning is about the loss of the person in your life. That's all it's about. 
And mourning is selfish. It's all about you hurting. Are you following me? Because I told you before, when a believer dies in the Lord, they've gained. You've lost. Get that. See, why you're feeling, oh, oh, I'm just so hurt now. No, 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 no. They're looking down for heaven. They've gained. You've lost. You're hurt that you're not going to see anymore. You're the one hurt. But then you grab a hold of that and say, okay, now I see. But instead of saying, well, I'm not, you know, because I know where they went, they've gained. To live is, to, is Christ. To die is gain. Amen. So to have feelings, listen, and to have emotions and to express these feelings and emotions is appropriate to do. If you cry, if you sob, if you feel down, if you feel sad in the heart, it's appropriate. It's called mourning. This is what I don't want you to do. Don't confuse your emotions with your faith. Those are two different things. Your emotions and your faith is two different things. Amen? Faith gives you hope. Faith gives you comfort. Faith gives you an assurance that it's going to be well with your soul. That's what faith does. But your feelings, your feelings are emotions. They're natural. They're human. So they're going to affect your body, your thinking. Are you with me? You have to understand, the people that you have relationship, you don't have spiritual relationship. You have natural human relationship. So you're going to be affected naturally and because you are human. Amen? When someone is removed from us naturally, to have those emotions are okay. The Bible is letting us know it's appropriate to mourn when it says there's a time to mourn. So just because the Bible says there's a time to mourn, that means it's appropriate to mourn. The Bible tells us in Ecclesiastes, you need to go back and read all of Ecclesiastes. Amen? And I told you, if you look at the children of Israel, they always had a mourning time. They still do. Where you go and you mourn. Amen? And listen, it, it's no set time to mourn. Because sometimes you can't mourn right away. Sometimes you can. Sometimes it might take a couple of months. Maybe sometimes it takes six months. And you'd be like, you know what? I've been so tied up in this, that, and other affairs and this, that, and the other. Just life. I haven't properly mourned. It is important that we mourn. If the scripture says it, then we need to do it. The Bible says there's a time to mourn. It didn't tell you the moment that you should. I told you last week in there that my experience, I mourned right away. But it doesn't mean that you might not, you might not mourn right away. You might have something else going on that you can't, you're too busy to. But I mourned right away. And God gave me that. God gave me 30 days and then he, I could hear his voice as clearly as I'm hearing my voice right now in my inner man. And he said, time to get up. We'll get to that. I told you that mourning will help you mentally 
and physically. You can be in a lot of trouble physically in your body because you haven't mourned. I know you can't you can't get that together. You'd be like, oh, why is my neck tight? Oh, why you know why do this keep hurting me? Sometimes it's stress, and the stress is because you haven't released. All that sadness and grief and hurt. You've just been pushing on. I'm not going to think about it. I'm not going to do it. And so it can come back on your body. So you need to mourn and release all of that so that everything mentally, your mental way of thinking has to do with mourning. you got to learn to let it go. But, but God is teaching you how. Amen. Now, it doesn't mean that I was right or wrong how I mourned. Meaning it was right because I mourned right away or wrong if I waited three months or if I waited whatever time. It, because I'm going to show you another, another part of time that I, I, I went right back into it and God showed me how to come out. Let's move forward. I think we're going to go into the new information. Huh. Now, the key thing... To, to feeling and mourning is this. When you have those feelings, that, 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 the grief, the sadness, you have to reconcile, reconcile those feelings with truth. Because you will have those feelings on the inside. Things going on on the inside. Especially when somebody dies that you love. There are feelings that's going on. On the inside, you got to learn to reconcile those feelings with the truth. It's okay to have those feelings, but you have to realize, I have to recognize these feelings that I have with truth. So that means I need to know the truth so that I can reconcile those feelings. And another thing, you cannot, write it down, you can't be governed by your feelings. It's easy to do when somebody dies we love. We can be governed by a feeling. I'm feeling bad about this. I don't like this. And see, this is one thing you need to understand. When somebody dies that you love, it's not always sad and sorrow. Sometimes it's angry, mad. Those are feelings. I don't... mm. You're mad at God, you're mad at people, you're mad. It's more than just grief and sadness. You are angry, upset, all of that's down in there, frustrated. Because this person I've been with all of my life, they're gone. You mean they're actually gone? How could God do that? Again, God always kills everybody. You don't say it like that. But when you say, how did God let that happen? You would say, God, you killed them. How did you let that happen? Feelings. They're down deep. And I don't care how many people talk to you about God. You're not hearing it if you have not reconciled your feelings with truth. You're not hearing it. Like, mm-hmm, 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 I ain't doing none of that. You have to reconcile those feelings with truth. You cannot be governed by your feelings or that's another trap to get you in trouble. In other words, you cannot make, listen, decisions out of mourning. 
I'm going I'm to do this. That's how you start getting in wrong relationships. That's how you just Because now I'm making decisions while I'm mourning. I'm mad. Maybe this will make me happy. Maybe this will make me forget. Uh, uh, I'm going to spend this money because this is making... See, now I'm making decisions out of my mourning. Because I want to forget that this is going on on the inside and I'm just going to do some foolish thing. Are you following me? You, you, I, I want you to get this. You cannot make decisions out of our feelings. We have to reconcile those feelings with truth. You have to do that. Okay, listen. It's okay to have them. It's going to happen. It's all right. It's all right for you to have them because they're going to be there. You're human. You're natural. But the Bible says, but there's a time to mourn, so you can get out of that. So if you, you cannot be governed by your feelings, and I'm going to, you know, I, you have to tell yourself, I've got to reconcile these feelings with truth. So write this down. Letter A, we said, first of all, it's appropriate to mourn. That's your letter A. Letter B, don't mourn time. Don't mourn time. Time. Did you hear me? A lot of times we're not mourning people, we're mourning time. We mourn the time of their death. We mourn the time that we're going to miss them. Because they died. We mourn the time... The time of the cause of their death. It was in a certain certain time frame. And so, you're not really mourning the death, you're mourning the time. Listen to me. And I want to encourage you, we cannot mourn the time. Because here's the thing. There is never, ever a good time or a right time for a person that you love to die. Never. I told you my mother's 95 and she just had a little incident. And you would have sworn when my sisters and we all were calling and talking to each other, you could hear, I could hear my sister's voice and I could do it. And you could swear my mother was 22. So because see, it's never a right time. I don't care how old they are. I have never seen nobody that have ever said, oh, they're old enough. I don't care that they died. No, because it matters. I don't care how old they are. And sometimes, it, uh, to show you, sometimes somebody tell you somebody died, and you say, how old were they? And they say 80-something. You'd be like, oh, well, you ought to be okay. No, you don't. You're not okay. Because they meant something to you. I don't care how old they are. There's never a good time or a right time for death. You're never going to, you're just not going to wrap your head around it. Like, no. That is not a good time when somebody loves you die that that dies. And then we go through this. You wish you had more time. This is, see, this is how you start mourning time. Oh, I wish I, we we had more time. If we just had more time, then we say they won't be here for this time. 
I can't believe that they're never going to see this or that. That's morning time. And that's one of the things everybody think of when a person dies. I wish we had more time. Oh, I just wish we had a little more time. I wish I had this. I wish I had that. A little more time. Again, never seen anybody to say, I'm, I'm okay with it. Mm-mm. That's why it's so important not to blow time right now. That's why you need to get the foolishness out of the families and all of that foolishness. Because one day the time will be up. One time, one day you're going to run out of time. Because if you've listened to any of the teachings, listen, there's only a span of time that God has given you. And one day you will run out of time. And you don't know how much time you have. Are you following? You don't know how much time you have. So don't get caught up in time. Don't get caught up in morning time. Tomorrow is not promised to you anyway. So why mourn over time? Hmm. Let her see. To mourn properly, keep moving while you mourn. You got to keep moving while you mourn. What do I mean by that? I mean make sure that you are doing the essential things that you, ha- that you have to do. Did you hear me? Make sure you're doing the essential things that you have to do. When you're mourning... You may not be able to do everything that you used to do because you're going through deep motions, deep hurt, deep sadness. But you still got to do something. You got to do something. So you got to do the things that you know to do. So what is the first thing that you know to do? First of all, you got to get up. See, I wanted to stay in bed. I didn't want to get out. I didn't want to do it. I didn't want to do all of it. I said, no, I'm not getting up. I don't. Shut my door. I don't want to talk to it. But the first thing you have to do in the time of morning, I have to first get up. I got to get up. You got to push yourself up. That's the first thing you have to do. Because when someone you love die, one of the things you don't want to do is get up. I'm not talking about what I heard. I'm talking about what I know. You don't want to talk to nobody. You don't want to smile at nobody. You don't want to look at nobody. You don't want nobody talking to you. You just, well, okay, I'm not going to say that. Maybe you, because some people, they like that. I didn't. I didn't want to talk to nobody. I didn't want to see nobody. I didn't want nobody asking me no questions. I didn't want any of that. I just wanted to be left alone. Shut my door and just leave me alone. Until God. Actually, well, I'll get to that. I'll get to that. Listen to me. You have to get up. You got to get dressed. Eventually. Some, you have to go back to work. 
eventually. And here's the thing about it. Getting up and moving, that's when God will give you grace. God can't give you grace when you won't move. God's like, get up and start moving. And as you go, the grace of God will carry you on. I'll never forget my son, Isaiah, had to work. And so Isaac and Natalie, they were, they were, they were going somewhere. And Isaac said, Mom, you need to come on and go to Canada. And I said, no, I don't want to. I didn't want to. And he said, no, Mom, come on, you're going to go. I said, no, because this was like in February, January, February, and I think Pastor Hill had uh, passed away in September. I said, no, I don't want to go. He said, no, no, we're going to go. You can go. and you, you do. I was like, no. I fought him on it for a little bit, and he's like, no, we're going to go and get tickets. We're going to do this and everything. And I went. And let me tell you, I didn't know I needed it until I went. It changed things for me. That changed me completely. Because I didn't know I needed it. I thought, I was like, no, I don't want Y'all go. I just want to get in this room and shut this door. But he said, no, I'll go. And then I went, and oh my God. Even like the snow that was all over that place, it was I related it to a cleansing that God did for me. Because at that time, that's when he was telling me, go. It was like, I was fighting because my human self didn't want to have nothing to do with it. Y'all just go, everybody leave me alone. But when I actually went and enjoyed it immensely and let God minister to me, and I was in my room by myself and I could talk to God, and God was ministering to me. He was ministering to me in places that we were going and things that we were seeing and, and just, just all. It was just a cleansing for me. And I said, I didn't know I needed this until I actually. Sometimes you don't know what you need until you actually do it. You have to move. So I moved and I went and it did everything that God intended for it to do. And you know, there's, there was times when my husband transitioned that I didn't feel 100%. I would do things and I'd move around a little. I started moving around a little. But I wasn't 100%. You know when you're 100%. You kind of do things, but, you know, you'd be like, uh. And let me tell you, it wasn't until we actually moved. And so what, that's been... Uh, two or three years since back here, I didn't remove any of his clothes. I would start and I'd stop. My room was a mess. And I'd start with his clothes and I'd look at his shoes and I'd stop. I'd look at his side of the, the washroom with his stuff in and I'd act like I'm going to do it that day and then I'd stop. But I kept moving. Anyway, I kept piddling around and moving. See, you have to start moving for the grace. It's not going to just fall off. I just didn't feel 100% to do it. But I knew within myself I had to keep moving. And I'm going to do the things that I can do. And what I can't do, I won't do. Because you know what? I didn't have the energy to. See, that's one thing that loss will do too. It takes your energy away. I didn't have the energy. 
And no one else may have seen it even when I came back and started teaching. No one else had, could see it. When I got up on the platform, you didn't see it. But I knew it. But when I got up on the platform, every time I said, God, I'm about to step on that platform. You, better, you got to come down on me. You got to do something. But he never fell. When I began to walk toward the platform, the grace of God always met me at the first step. By the time I hit here, you all never knew anything. All you all could say is, wow, after all of that, she's doing that. But it was the grace of God. But if I never went, if I wouldn't have got up and started walking and started getting up, and every time, even until this day, every time I get up to walk up here, God's grace meet me at the step. There's no time frame. And His grace, I could feel it. Like the oil that ran down the head of, of Aaron and all through his beard and down that. I could feel it from the crown of my head all the way run down the grace of God. And then the boldness came. Right when I needed because what? God said, it's not about you, Alva, it's about my people. And then he started putting me in remembrance of many things that me and my husband talked about. It's time to go. I remember Pastor used to always say, Al, if I go before you, you just, you hurry up. You get that thing in the ground as long, as quick as possible. Don't be having it sitting around and wandering around because I'm not there. And if you notice, he died on a Monday, and the only and I think it was Labor Day or some, uh, Saturday, but it was Labor Day that Monday, and we couldn't have it or something, something way, because I was trying to have it Monday. He died on a Saturday, I was trying to have it Monday. But it was Labor Day or something, and they couldn't. That was the only reason why we got it on Wednesday, because we couldn't. Because I was honoring what he said. He said, he said I'm not there. He said, I don't want people sobbing over me. I don't want my grandchildren sobbing. I don't want my children just being depressed about it. Get that thing in the ground as quick as you can and get on with your life. Get on with your life. Because I won't be there. And that's what you have to do. When a believer dies in the Lord, you are not mourning them. It's your own selfish hurt because of the absence of them in your life. Because they are in heaven looking down, smiling, saying, I've gained. Stop with the loss. I've, I've gained. We got to get that. So, when you suffer loss, you got to keep moving. You got to get up and do what you know to do. Letter D. You have to allow mourning to turn into memories. You have to allow mourning to turn into memories. How do I do that, Pastor? Now here we, here's what you got to know. Very important that you know. Very important that you know. 
How do I turn this morning into memories? Very important that you know. Listen. Don't focus on the last day of that person's life. Don't focus on the last day of that person's life. You know why? That is insufficient focus. That's insufficient, I'm sorry, memories. That's insufficient. To just focus on that person's last day of their life, the last few days of their life, the last months of their life, the three weeks of their life, six months of their life. If you focus on that, that's insufficient memories. Why? Because the person had a whole life other than just that day they died. So why focus on that one day, that three day? Why? why? That's not them. They had a whole life. But we want to focus just on that day because, yeah, you remember when they died, I was there. And I, No! No! Listen, I'm showing you how to take your morning into memories. Did you hear me? Don't focus on the last days of the person's life. Insufficient memories. Focus on the whole of the person. You know why? Because the last days of that person's life is generally the shortest section of their life. It's the shortest section of their life. And see, oftentimes we get caught up with revisiting the last week, the last three days. We just keep pondering that in our mind. You even said to yourself, I can still remember the spot. I can still remember what I was doing. What I was saying. I'm still saying, wake up. Uh, hey, you, you see, you're still remembering just that. And you're revisiting it over and over and over again. The last week, the last day, the last month. And you know why you don't remember the last day? And you don't stay focused on it? Because that's the day of great sadness. You put, you're put into a state of sadness. And if you meditate on those last days, you're going to put yourself in a state of sadness and you won't be able to move forward. You might be doing stuff, but you're not moving forward. Because you, that's forever in the forefront of your mind. But if you would focus on the whole of the person's life, start thinking about the whole of the person, you'll start having joy. You'll have start having joy of memories. See, when you start thinking of all the whole person's life and what we did back then and how we did that and what we laughed about and what they said everything, you will find out, you will start finding joy of memories instead of sadness and grief because all I think about is that day, that week, 
that month. You'll find yourself seeing things in another perspective when you do that. And so what? When I have joy of many, what does joy bring us? The Bible says, the joy of the Lord is my strength. So now I began to get stronger. Because I have joy. Because I'm remembering some good things. I'm remembering some things. Not that day. Because the person is more than that day. That is the shortest, shortest time of their life. That day of death. That week of death. Those three days of death. That that wasn't their life. Their life was much more than that day. Are you with me? Those memories will begin to make you have joy and strength. I want us to understand that allowing mourning to turn into memories, we also allow us to go from mourning... That person, listen, this is what's going to happen when you, when, you, when you change that way of thinking. It's going to move you from mourning to just missing the person. And that's different. It'll take you from mourning the person with grief. And remember we gave the definition of mourning. Uh, it's a grief and a deep grief and sadness. Well, when you start thinking of the person's whole life, it's going to move you from mourning to memories. Are you with? It's going to move you from that, that, that mourning of that person to missing that person. Say it with me. That's two different things. Mourning and missing a person is two different things. And I'm going to show you how. Mourning is different from missing a person. Again, mourning is a deep grief and sadness. But eventually, if I can switch my mourning to memories, I can just start missing the person. Listen, this is what I'll start missing. I'm just missing that they're not here. Not mourning. It's not a deep sadness and grief. It's just like, oh, I wish they were here. I'm missing that they're not here. Not a deep place of sorrow. You cannot be in a deep place of sorrow for the rest of your life. You cannot. And those that have died in the Lord, how disappointed they would be in their gain up there to know that you're down here for the rest of your life mourning them. We can't be that selfish. Listen, get, 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 get this revelation. There are people that we're going to miss for as long as we live. I'm going to miss my husband for as long as I live. As long as I have breath in my body, I will miss him. But it doesn't mean that I'm going to mourn him every day as long as I live. Not mourn him. I'm going to miss him every day of my life. Every day I wake up, I think of him. And I miss him. I could hear his voice. 
And sometimes that voice try to fade. And I go, get it. I said, oh no, you don't. But every day since he passed, every day when I open my eyes, he's the first person I think of. You mean you don't think of Jesus? Nope, I think of him. Every day. Why? When I think of him, it's not in a deep grief or sadness. Sometimes I think about what he would be doing right now. Or what he would be saying. And then I laugh. But I miss him. That's the difference. You better get this. There's a time to mourn. Because someone that's close to you, someone that you love, someone that's precious to you, someone that you spent all of your time with, at some point you got to go from even missing them to laughing. Because the Bible says it's a time for it. He said, okay, you've mourned, now you're missing them. Just different things we do around the house, or we do something, and I'll be thinking, I'll say, your dad would say this, and we'll laugh about it. Because it's a time to laugh. But I remember a time when I was mourning, I didn't want to laugh about nothing. But you have to move from mourning to missing them, and even go from missing to laughing. That's when you start telling stories about them. And they call stories for a reason because you keep telling stories, they get so big and they, you just start adding on stuff and all kinds of stuff and it's okay. But it gets you through. And you start laughing. Then you start laughing and you start reflecting back. This is how you mourn properly. You'd be like, ah, that was, you know, that was, oh, your dad would have loved that. And even my granddaughter, I'm combing her hair or something. She said, you know, Madam Papa always liked my ponytails. I said, yeah, he did. You know, we just talk about those things. Now what? She's missing him. I'm missing him. But we're not in grief and sorrow. We're saying different things. That, and then they'll say something funny that, Pastor, you know, Pastor Hill did. Papa did this. Uh, Papa did that. I see, yeah, I remember one time he was spanking you. And he act like, hold your hand out. And he hit more of the table than your hand. You know, and you're like, he do, really doing something. And then looking up at me, talking about, okay, that, that's it. I said, did you hit them? Or what, what, what? And we laugh about it. I said, he wasn't doing nothing. But see, those things you can laugh about eventually. Time that your mother, your father have spent with your children or spent with you, you begin to start looking at things the whole of their life, not those last days, and start laughing about it. And you miss just different things. See, I, could, I, I miss 
when I'd walk through the house and he'd say, come here, in a certain way. See, I don't hear that no more. And if that try to get away from me, I'll bring it back. I miss his touch. But I don't grieve it. It's not a grief and a sadness. It's a miss. I miss sitting down talking to him and he's just teaching me the word, just talking. And he's excited about what he's read and he's just talking. And I miss those things. And then it makes me want to get up and get in the word. Turn with me to Luke chapter 23. And let's deal with the remains. Luke chapter 23. And don't get it twisted about no tears that I may drop because you know what? I'm really, I'm really feeling the sadness for you because I've gone through it and I'm understanding it and I want you to get it because this kind of grief and sadness is not something you want for anyone because it's like, see, I remember I was like, I'm going to be like this for the rest of my life. And I would say it out loud. I said, I'm never going to be happy for the rest of my life. I'm never going to be happy. I'm never. No. Until God taught me better. Until he said, get up. Start moving. Now, when I say deal with the remains, typically with remains when it pertains to death, Everybody in here, when I said deal with the remains, everybody in here thought of the body. But the remains is more than the body. And certainly that is one aspect. But there are remains financially, naturally. I mean like houses, cars, and insurance policies. Those are remains. Different things like that. Just stuff that remains of the person, that's all a part of it, the remains. But in the context of this message that I'm preaching, I want us to look at the remains, write it down as the essential things that have to be done. It's the essential things that have to be done and handled to close the affairs so that you can move on. You have to do some essential things to close the affairs so that you can move on. You have to deal with the remains. There's always some essential things. Now, in Luke chapter 23, this is dealing with the death of Jesus. And this is dealing, listen, with Jesus' literal, literal remains. In order to move forward, even Jesus' remains had to be dealt with. Are you in chapter 23? Look at verse 50. Are you with me? And behold, let me see where I am. And behold, there was a man named Joseph, a counselor, and he was a good man and a just, and a just. The same had not 
consented to the counsel and deed of them. He was of Arimathea, Arimathea, a city of the Jews, who also himself waited for the kingdom of God. This man went unto Pilate and begged the body of Jesus. And he took it down and wrapped it in linen and laid it in the sepulcher that was hewn in stone, wherein never, never man before has laid. And that day was the preparation and the Sabbath drew on. And the women also which came with him from Galilee followed after and beheld the sepulcher and how his body was laid. And they returned and prepared spices and ointments and rested in the, rested the Sabbath according to the commandments. Look at verse 24. Chapter, verse 1. Now upon the first day of the week, very early in the morning, they came into the sepulcher, bringing the spices which they had prepared, certain others with them. And they found the stone rolled away from the sepulcher. And they entered in and found not the body of the Lord Jesus. And it came to pass, as they were much perplexed thereabout, behold, two men stood by them in shining garments. And as they were afraid and bowed down their faces to the earth, they said unto them, Why seek ye the living among the dead? Keep reading. He is not here, but is risen. Remember how he spake unto you when he was yet in Galilee, saying, The Son of Man must be delivered unto the hands of sinful men, and be crucified, and the third day rise again. And they remembered his words. So why am I going through these scriptures? Because Jesus died. Listen. And even though Jesus died, they had to deal with his remains. Listen. They had to deal with his remains, the customs, the preparation. All of those are remains. The custom was remains. The preparation was remains. His body was in the remains. In order for you, for there to be mourning, they had to prepare the body. In order for them to mourn, they had to prepare the body. There are things that they still needed to be done to close out the affairs of Jesus' life. Listen to me closely. Even though he owned, listen, Jesus owned nothing, remember? Even though he owned nothing and had nothing by choice, he still had a body. And this is a lesson that we, should, we can learn out of these scriptures. As we close this morning, and some things I want us to remember to help us put this, put, put this so we can press. Remember this, letter A, that the remains is not the person. The remains are this, not the person. Remember this, the body is not the person. They're not there. So you're looking at them, if they're laying on the bed, laying on the floor, laying in the casket, that is not the person. The remains is not the person. Are you with me? You, you have to understand that. 
That's the lesson we have to learn. The remains, whatever's here, is not the person. The body is not the person. The mother, the grandmother, the grandmother, the mother's house is not the person. The insurance policy is not the person. And you cannot move forward if you get hung up on some things that's not the person. You got to remember that the remains is simply that. The remains. That'll keep you out of a whole bunch of bondage with family members. I want this in the house. I want that in the house. Oh, I want this. I want the I want the five silver forks she had. And you got a thousand forks at home you don't even use. I want I want that. You know, we get caught up in those things. But know this, you can get five silver forks that belong to mama, daddy, but guess what? It's not the person. That's what you got to see. It's not the person. (laughs) Say it's not the person that's gone. None of those things are the person that's gone. Just what remains is what you're going to do. You, what you're going to do with all the rings? What you're getting caught up in remains that's not them. I want the car. The car don't even run. But I want the car. It's a remain. It's not the person. Why are you fighting over remains? Letter B. The remains are corruptible. Whatever they are. The remains are corruptible. No matter what remain it is, it's going to perish. See, some people can't and won't move forward because somebody died and, you know, and, and, and they all bent out of shape because of the remains. Soon as it are, now we're going to deal with this remains. Okay, well, well, well what did they say? Well, what did they, mm-mm. I got some, I got some handouts for you, so don't leave because we're going to, we're going to go, we're not going to go through them, but I'm going to give you something to take home that you can meditate on. Whatever remains that's left, know this, is going to perish. Even if it's money, it's not going to stay with you. And people won't and can't move forward because of the remains. And again, the remains is not the person. Let her see. The remains, listen, should always be handled based on the person's wishes and the provisions that have been made. That's why it's important to have your business in order. The remains should be handled based on the person's wishes and the provisions that have been made. Listen, if a person didn't want you involved in handling the remains, that was their wishes. Hey, say, thank God, I don't have nothing to do. I'm not in it. I don't want to know what everybody else is getting and what they want. And do, I, do you want this? I, I don't care. I don't want it. I don't, if they didn't put me in it, let it go. 
It, let me tell you, you not agree about something that's done is irrelevant if they didn't tell you that. That's why, listen, this is, this is what you need to understand. This is the way you keep foolishness down in families after people are gone and remains are left. Have it all written down. Everything you want. How you want it. So they won't be mad at you not talking to you anymore because of the remains. This is what was said and signed it. And you, I had a clear head. The date you put it down. Everything that you want. Because it should be carried out according to what the person left. And you're foolish if you leave here and not have things down the way you want it. Not the way, see, wives want it this way. and not, You don't put it down, put it down the way you want it. Get it notarized. Get a will done, get all of it done and have it. This is the way you go, oh wow, they didn't leave me nothing. No, so be okay with it. Well, they got everything. Well, who you mad at? The one who wrote it down. Well, good, they gone. You're not mad at me no more. But see, when you don't put any of that down, they're going to say, well, how do I know they told you that? Well, they told me. Well, they told me something different. Well, no, they told me. Well, let me tell you, if you have it on paper, somebody's lying. Because it's here. This is what I want. This is the way I want it. That's called remains. That has to be dealt with. If not, most of the remains are going to end up like Jesus' remains, missing. Because you didn't take handle your business. This is what you need to know about remains. And you won't get caught up in family members with all that crap. Because that's what it is. What's important... What's really important is the words the person spoke and the life they live, not stuff and things and money. And with your undisciplined self, you get it and it's going to be gone in a flash. None of that. That's not who. Remember what they taught you. Remember what their voice and what they said. How they lived their life. Those are the things you should be remembering. Not stuff and things. Remember those things. That's where remains are. Always remember that the remains is not the person. So don't fight over them. Always remember that the remains are corruptible. Don't fight over them. Always remember that the remains should be handled based on the wishes and provisions of the person who died. Don't tell me what you want to be done. Write it down. That's how you leave bondage in the earth. Well, how do I know they said that? They need to write it down, sign it. Now, you say, well, I'm too young for that now. No, this is the time to do it. While you're healthy, while you're strong, you do it and you sign it off and then you put it away and go live another 20 years. But it's there. If you want to change something, change it. If not, it stays like it is. Are you with me?
We're almost there. Hold on. Don't let things steal your peace, nor your relationships. Some people can't move forward because somebody cremated somebody and they wanted them in a casket. Somebody else is mad because they put them in the casket and I wanted them cremated. What did the person say they wanted? That's what you do. I know that's what they say they wanted, but that's what I want. A, a no. That would be a no. Let's stay with, with If it's documented down or if it's said, that's done. I'm not going to be caught up in that. Don't get caught up in, did they leave a house? Did they, they left a house with, who did they leave it to? They didn't leave it to me. And they, you were never interested in living in Fairback, Georgia. But you want the house. You know, just, just, just all into the remains. That's not the person. I'm going to get there. I'm just going to always wear it and feel it. Listen, that's not them. They're in heaven with gain and you still trying to mourn. Don't be caught up and upset about things that you wouldn't even want from the beginning. You didn't even want that when they were here. Now all of a sudden you want it. It's just a memory. It's just going to remember them. Remember their life. That's what I remember. Because my husband didn't play. He loved his son dearly, but I was his wife. And everything that he wanted was for me. He's like, they grown men. And I know you do right by my grandchildren, so they grown men. You said, but they grown men. But you, you, you set it up the way you want to. But make sure it's written down. Now! Well, do you think I'm saying this because I just want you to do something? I'm saying this because God is saying to you, things are coming! You need to be prepared! No one person dies and then that's it! That's somebody else going to die! And somebody after that, is everything in order? And none of the stuff that's left here has any value. It's never as much value as the person. Now, Deacons, if you could hand out those scripts for me. Just remember, and I want each, each one of you to go to the last page of it. Now, you should get three sheets, but I want you to take the last one and put it on top. Because that's what I want to deal with first. So you can move on. We're going to deal with the remains like that. Now, in these, now this sheet that I gave you, the first sheet, it's something that I got off the internet, but I did research before I copied it. 
Because it's very important. I just don't take something off the internet and just say, okay, that's what said. I went to, I talked to some people, I got, got information that I knew, and I verified some of the things. Well, some of the things I already knew, but some of the other things. These things are important that you do right now. I went, I said, you know, and, and you know, my son's always, if I get in the car, and sometimes I get in the car and not as much Isaac as Isaiah. He's always popping in my room. And he'll call and, where you, where, I came down to your room and where are you going? I said, I'm taking care of some business. Well, where are you? Uh, <laughs> you're not my husband. they always looking for me. I'm like, mm, uh, go. especially Isaiah. He'll be like, Isaac will too, but Isaiah, he'll, you know, you really, I was just, I just took a shower and came downstairs. I thought you were here. And you said, I said, I'll be, I'll be back shortly. Where are you? I said, I, I just got to make a run. Sometime I'm just taking care of business. Sometime I'm just, just want to just get away because I'm thinking on things that God is showing me or, or whatever. But in this that I got, I saw it on there and I said, well, wait a minute. I'm, I'm not just going to, well, some of the things on there, I, I'll tell you, I did already know and have already done. But some of the things you need to be doing now. Not waiting and saying, well, we got time. No, you're going to get caught. You're going to get caught. You're going to get caught. Those things need to be in place. Don't go and try to buy a car and a house and ain't got this in place. Every bit of it. That's not, God is saying, nope, that's not what I want you to do. I want you to have your affairs in order in every aspect. You say, nope, we're going to sit down this week and we're going to start doing this. Oh, well, now, you know, no. No. Listen, okay, because I can't make you do anything. Don't. Just don't. And when something come up, you'll know. You know what? I should have had all that. And let me tell you, and if you leave this earth and you leave your family and squabbling and fussing about stuff because you didn't leave stuff in order and, and this, that, and the other, let me, mm -mm. and let me tell you something. If you have more than one child, I don't care what you have. You need to make sure it's down. Remember, Jesus didn't have anything. You, you think to yourself, well, I don't really have nothing. You, do you know people would fight over a 20? I want five. People will fight over anything. And that just remains. So you need to make sure it is in order. Now. Right now. Maybe you say, well, I got some health issues. It's going to be hard for me to get that. Well, go and make a payment plan or something. But do something and then go live. Everybody do something. See, we think we're so business-minded and we're doing everything, but you're not doing this. But it's time. It's the season for it. It needs to be in order. Nothing worse than having things all out of order. And then you got to ask everybody in the family to bring it together. Because you just didn't simply have it in order. I don't care what you have. Put a name on it. Where you want it to go. 
how you want it to go. Don't tell me what you want. Put it in writing. So there'll be no bondage. Put it in writing. Now, I know he always wanted this. Now, I don't know that. But if I see where he wrote it down and he got it notarized and it's put away and it's in a will or it's got all of this, I'm, then it's done. See, I don't care about you being mad at after you see that they wrote it down. I, I, you, you shouldn't care about them being mad at you because you got whatever. They told you that's what they wanted you to have. I want you to have a car. I thought I was his favorite. I thought I was her favorite. Oops, there it is. Now you found out that there wasn't no favorite. They had something for this person, that person. Got to be in order. I'm telling you, I talked to some professionals about that. I said, let me do it. Now, the other part I wrote, because these are things that personally I want you, and you all can read them when you get home and stuff because they're long or whatever, but that's my heart. And those are things that I know that's in my life for the rest of my life. Because death changes your life. Death changes your plans. Death changes your faith. It changes everything. And we're not through with this. We're still, because we, we have some more things to deal with. This is our fifth teaching, but we have some more things to deal with. See, we're going, we're going on, but it's, it's, it's so much more to deal with that you have to understand about how to press forward once you have lost a loved one. It's more to it than just get up and go. You know, people think you can just get up and go. You can't. It sounds good and it sounds easy because it's not happening to them. But I understand. And see, for me, I, I treat people that have lost a loved one because I don't know where their state is. All I know is the way my state was. And so I treat people according to the way I felt because I don't know theirs. I mean, I'll reach out and then I'll see if they want to reach back. And then I'll be like, no, I'm just going to hold off because I know how I felt. Because... Nobody can tell you, and, and I'm telling you, a spouse leaving is totally different. It's totally different. It is totally, totally different. And again, we were married 43 years, and it's just totally, totally different. No, your grandchildren can bring you some comfort to an extent. Your children can bring you some comfort to an extent, but... That's something God and God alone is the only one that's going to see you through. And you got to own up to it. you got to say, God, you have to help me. And when God told me to get up and I began to move, that's when I felt the grace of God helping me to go forward. To go forward. I didn't want to, but it's not a matter of what you want. If you always never want to, you'll never get up. Even when you don't want to, you have to pull yourself out. It's okay to think about it, but you're going to move that morning into missing them and not just deep grief and sorrow. Remember, remember what we said last week. Mourning is really selfish. It's not for the person, especially when they die in the Lord. It's really for you. You're the one hurting. They're not. I promise you they're not. I promise you they're not. That's why my husband said, you make sure you I won't be there. I will be with the Lord. Because that's what I believe with all my heart. So don't act like I'm there. 
And then some things, because, you know, when you have two, and I just have two sons, so a lot of things my husband told me, just just things that we talked about as well, you know, things that I knew, you know, what, I knew what was what and, and, and those things, and those are the things that you do. But I want you all, everybody at this church that belongs to this church, you need to make sure all of those things are in order. I don't care how young you are. I don't care how young your children are. If your children are too young, you, you write it all the way down. If both of us is gone, this is who I put in authority. You, you, you got to do it that way. I want y'all to get this so bad. It's just like, Father, can they really get this? He said, I wouldn't have gave it to you if they couldn't. Put it in writing. Let it be laid out. Everything let it be said. And then do it. Stand to your feet. This has been a teaching message from Church of the Living Water at Austin. For more information about our ministry, please go to our website at livingwateraustin.net.